Good morning. I got to get to my notes here. Well, I just want to take the time also and honor all of the mothers in the house. But you know, to mother actually means to nurture or to bring up. So though some of you may not have naturally birthed children, you have been mothers, whether it's mentoring people or you've served in Riverside Kids or you've just walked alongside those who have no one. You have mothered and today we honor all of you. And today we also honor those that have not yet held their babies in their arms. We know that this day can be hard for people. And so we honor you today. We honor those that still are yet to hold their babies on heaven's shores. Those that have lost babies this morning, we honor you this morning and we see you and we love you and we recognize that this day can be hard, but we love you and we want you to be seen today. So let's give it up for all of the ladies in the house, all of the mothers in the house. You know, sitting down to write this message this week, of course, <laughs> because I talked about last time how I'm a very last minute person. I try not to be, but it's just how it is. Um, it's how it's downloaded to me, and it's usually always last minute. Um, and I thought about what I'm going to talk about because I really didn't, I always know that when I'm going to preach something, usually you have to kind of go through it yourself, and it's usually the week of that it kind of ramps up a little bit. And so I was thinking about what I'm going to do. I love the fact that Michael is talking about the commands of Jesus, and our find, foundational verse is 1 John 15, 9 through 10. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Hallelujah. And I love that Michael has chosen, about, chosen to talk about this. And on week one, he talked about continual characteristics. And week two, last week, we talked about clear confession, and then we watched all of those wonderful 41 people get baptized. Was that not amazing last week? Yeah, it was so awesome. So as I was thinking about what I could talk about, I thought about, well, I could talk about loving my enemies. I could talk about faith of a mustard seed. But like I said, I know sometimes as we prep things, we have to go through things. A couple weeks ago, I talked about going deeper. So God is still working on me about going deeper. So I thought, well, I kind of want it to be light because, you know, I don't want to go through stuff. <laughs> So I'm going to talk about like a city on a hill. I am the light of the world. Salt and light. That's what I'm going to preach about. It's not heavy. You see, I could talk about so many things like that that he commanded of us. But I went back to the beginning of John 15. And I kept going back to the beginning of John 15. And I've preached on it many times before. But I don't like to preach on it. Because today... We're going to talk about consistent clipping. And when I read it, you'll start to understand. John 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, 
and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have, already begun, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch that withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So there it is. The pruning. The cutting off of things. The consistent clipping. It's something we never want to endure or talk about, but if we are serious about the true vine that is Jesus and the gardener who is God, then the cutting off and the pruning is necessary for us to produce fruit in our lives. It's necessary for growth. And it's not only going to change us, but then it's going to change those around us. You see, I could have brought today a very beautiful Mother's Day flowery message, but I want to speak to everyone in the house today. And to produce growth, we have to go through the consistent clipping. You know, I was sitting back to a time when I first felt the pruning of God. You see, there's always pain in the pruning. But I think we need to get to the point where we don't see pain. We, we can see joy within the suffering. Kind of like the song sang this morning, actually. That there can be joy in the midst of the pain. But I remember back in 1999, I was 19, do not do the math. (laughs) I was finishing up a year of ministry where I had been trained and sent out for seven months to different churches, helping them grow their youth ministries and helping them wherever was needed within the church with my team. I was set up to come back for a second year as a leader. And I was somewhat in a serious friendship with a guy that was headed to something more. Of course, in my brain at 19, he was the one. I was headed for ministry, I was headed for marriage, and I was headed to be God's gift to our church when I got home. (laughs) To be the best leader ACE teams had ever seen, I had it all figured out. I knew how to do ministry. I knew how to lead. I knew, or I thought I did. The one thing that didn't line up with me knowing was all the character behind it. And I was a do things first and then think about it later kind of person. I'm raising one (laughs) as well. You see, I knew the right things to say, but my heart was far from where it needed to be. You see, we were finishing up our year And through that year, my best friend, not my boyfriend, because we weren't supposed to date, and I would never go against the rules. Because we couldn't date. We could not date that year. It was a rule. He was doing the same missions team in Australia. So in a world where there's no cell phones, no Facebook, no Instagram, no Snapchat, or even really email for me back then. I didn't have email yet. I needed to speak with him. 
And my friend who was on the team, she had a phone card. Now for all you youngins that don't know what a phone card is, a phone card was something that you could either prepay and have money on it and call wherever you wanted to, or you just had one and then it was like charged to an account. Well, my friend on our team, she just had a card, not a prepaid one. And I thought it wouldn't be bad because the guy I was seeing, he had all the, the cash. So I was like, I'll call him real quick and he can call me back. So I did this for months. I would call him on this card and he would call me back. Well, the girl's mom very angrily contacted my father <laughs> and said, I have a $600 bill just from calling Australia to have him call me back. My dad, obviously angry, called me. I was in Chicago at the time. And he said, you will not be returned next year as a leader. You're not ready. You need to come home, you need to learn responsibility, and you need to pay me back. <laughs> Before you ever lead a team, you need to learn responsibility. You see, my world in that moment was crushed because I had a plan. I was going to lead this amazing team. I was going to be this, in this amazing ministry. I was going to come home, and I was going to tell our church how to do things. And I was going to be the best leader ministry had ever seen. And I came home. And about a month later, the relationship that I thought would end in marriage, after years of thinking he was the one, ended, crumbled. My heart was broken. Then I started a job which I didn't love and I didn't even know how to do it. And one guy called my dad that worked there and he was like, just have her quit before they fire her. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, but this is the time in my life that was not my plan. I had leaders in my life at that time that were pointing out things that needed work in me, that needed changing in me, even when I didn't ask their opinion. <laughs> but God started to prune things in my life, started to cut off relationships in my life that didn't need to be there. He had to cut things away, so I had complete reliance on him for my future. I had a great plan written out, but he had a different one that consisted of me building my character, putting me on the path to preparation for what he had for me in the future. You see, in that moment, my dream died, or I thought it died. The dream I had for myself was put to sleep, if you will. The dream of leadership, the dream of ministry, the be dream of being with the person that I thought I was supposed to be with, all went to sleep within weeks. But what I didn't realize in those years that that's when God's dream started to be birthed in me. It wasn't my dream anymore. You see, the dream he had for me started when I worked in that daycare instead of leading that team. 
It started when I went to beauty school instead of being in ministry. It started by serving wherever the church would have me serve. Because if I had been placed in ministry or led like I think I could have, it never would have sustained. You see, Christine Kane says this, if the light that is on you is bigger than the light that is in you, the light that is on you will destroy you. I wasn't ready. You see, the God dream doesn't always look like ours. It's better. It may be painful, but it's better. You see, the chair that I stand behind still after 20 years has become one of the biggest ministries in my life. As I've done people's hair, the amount of stories, the amount of tears that have been cried in that chair, the amount of joy I've shared with people, it became my ministry for 20 years standing behind a chair. Serving this church led to leadership I never would have expected because his dream in us is better. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You know, sometimes we think that our dreams die. But like I said, I think sometimes they just have to be put to sleep so that God can awaken something new in us. You know, just like Peter in Acts 12 Peter was seeing such a growth in the church. One of the services he did, if you call it a service back then, I don't know. One of the gatherings he did, 3,000 people got saved. He was sharing the good news of Jesus with everyone. People were finding life in Jesus. People were getting healed just by walking in his shadow and set free. But then, boom, he got arrested and put in prison. It all came to a stop. In Acts 12, 6 through 9, it says, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. He was asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. The chains fell off his wrists. The angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. You know, a lot of us, like Peter, amazing things start to happen. We're growing. We're living life. We're doing what Jesus has called us to do. And then Satan comes in and starts to do his work, where we start to feel defeated, We start to feel like the dream is dead, like he's not moving quick enough for me. And the trials come, and they try to take us out, and we question, and we start to fall asleep. And the prison starts to feel comfy. We're chained and asleep, just like Peter in that prison. It becomes comfortable. Where the dreams that once were chain us to the wall but he comes in with a shining light saying quick get up put on your coat get up my son get up my daughter because there's more for you to do 
It may be but what, not what you thought you were going to do, but it's what I want you to do. I'm birthing a new dream in you. I'm birthing a new plan in you. The prison is painful. The pruning is painful, but it is necessary. God had to remove things from my life, relationships, so that I could step into the future he had for me. What relationships, habits, attitudes is he wanting to prune from your life today? Are you pursuing your dreams or his? Are you dreaming your dreams or are you allowing his dream to be birthed in you? You see, there's pain in the pruning, but we need to pursue the pruning. The consistent clipping. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when the your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Pursue the pruning. How do we do that? We ask the gardener, God the Father, to do his thing. We ask him to reveal the things that need cut off in our lives. You see, the pruning is never a fun experience, ever. But it's necessary, and it's essential. You know, in 2020, when we all had our lives turned upside down, Amen. unprecedented times, when we longed for precedented times. You know, we heard the terms like essential workers, non-essential workers. We heard social distance and shelter in place, words that became part of our vocabulary. And it was a pruning for me that was unexpected as I'm sure it was for you. And I've learned that though the pruning may be painful, I will pursue it because I know it leads to growth. You know, as a hairdresser, we often say, you need a trim so your hair can grow. And then people are like, well, if you cut it, how's it supposed to grow? <laughs> you have to create a healthy environment for the hair to grow. So you got to cut that dead stuff off. So go get a trim. <laughs> but during this time, I, as a hairdresser, was considered a non-essential worker. Now, if you saw some of the hair that came in after that shelter in place, <laughs> I think we were essential. I'm just saying, if it happens ever again, we need to be essential. But one night, about two weeks into the shelter in place, when it was supposed to be over, I had what I call a quarantine breakdown. I became very emotional. And you know, there were so many days like that. But that day, I was feeling very emotional. And there are many days where I feel like I'm very inadequate as a mom, as a wife. All the things. So at the beginning of this pandemic, I was having a hard time not really being anxious in that time, but I was faced with where I feel like I fall short in the home. The mom life, the wife life. The online school life was awful. 
And let's be real, just the domestic life. I, it's well known, I know how to cook three meals, one being a Thanksgiving meal, so that's once a year. And I won't say I hate cleaning, but this is what I hate. I hate cleaning, and then an hour later, it's gross. All the ladies say amen. amen. That's what I hate. It's not that I hate cleaning. I hate what happens after the cleaning. Anyway, but in that moment, I had been put face to face with all of my insecurities. I was up close and personal with everything going on in me. Not just that stuff, but everything. My insecurities, my hurts, my failures, my fear, my anxious thoughts, and my depression. All of the things that you can filter and mask real good when you're busy. But when you are quiet, I found myself in the Schnooks parking lot many times just to be alone or just some time with God to have a good cry and let him take those things that I was holding so tightly to. And I had to allow him to cut off some of those habits and attitudes that so quickly come in and try to take me out. You see, I may have been labeled non-essential during that time, but that time was essential for me. It was essential for me to be quiet. It was essential for me to quiet the noise and be face-to-face what was really happening within me. So I've learned, pursue the pruning. And to be very vulnerable, Tuesday morning, I found myself not in the Schnooks parking lot, but on my face before the Lord in the basement of my house. Tears flowing as I felt some of the similar, familiar feelings. Like I said, I preached about going deeper a few weeks ago, and with that, the pruning follows. You see, we stand up here and we're very honest that he's still working on us. He's still growing us. And Tuesday morning, those all too familiar feelings of inadequacy surfaced. And I had to come to a place where I had to seek his face. Because I was having feelings, those feelings of inadequacy as a mom. We were having those parenting trials. It came to a point where I called Michael, I'm like, you're just going to have to preach this week, I can't do it. I don't have anything. This was at 8.30. By 10.38, this message was poured into the iPad. He came through. But here's what I'm saying. It came to a place of me seeking his face holding tight to his promise that I'm chosen, that I'm more than enough because he is enough, and that I am essential, that his grace is essential, his pruning is essential, and I'm going to pursue it as painful as it is because I know I'm going to grow. And we need to realize that pruning is painful. We need to pursue it, but also pruning leads to pressing. Here's a little lesson from my friend Lucy.
suppressing. You know, I think of all the times that he have, has cut off or pruned things in my life. My vision gets bigger. But we often think that the pruning is where it stops, but it's actually just the beginning. Because from the vine comes the fruit, such as the grapes or the olives, as Jesus was talking about in John 15. For there to be wine or oil, there has to be a pressing process. You know, in my life, when I seem to think life is good and cut off, I'm bearing fruit, relationships are good, family's good, things start to get hard. People start to question you. The family troubles come, one thing after the other, and you feel like you are suffocating, pressed, if you will. Like Lucy treading those grapes up there, we start to feel gross at first. When she first gets in, she's kind of like, But it's necessary. The pressing is necessary, and we often stop at the grape, which can be great. But some of the grapes are meant to be wine. We often stop at the olive, but some of the olives are meant to be oil. I thought it was interesting as I researched some of this that Olive oil in Jesus' time, and I'm sure today, was used for many things, but the two that stuck out to me was it was made for illumination, a, to light a lamp, or for ointment for healing purpose. So in the pressing, is it really surprising that we can come out healed and shining a little brighter? That the oil that can flow from us can illuminate things from God miraculously changing us. You see, the pressing feels uncomfortable. We question God. You see, when we stepped into ministry, I actually quit directing Bloom for a season. I felt God asked me to step out of it as hard as it was because, like I've said before, it kind of became my dream. But I had to release it to him to let it become his dream for this church because it was a pressing time for me, a dark time. Health stuff, relationship issues, insecurities started coming out more and I felt pressed in those moments. He started to deal with the depths of me again. And I will say on the other side of it, he was with me in my darkest. But you see, when I had released that dream, it came back as his dream. You see, sometimes when we feel we are being destroyed, we are actually being developed. Amen. Just like the grape or the olive, it seems like they're being destroyed, but they're actually being developed into something new and something for use. At the end of that video, Lucy starts to enjoy the pressing. She starts having a good time because she's realizing what it's doing. You see, Proverbs 31, 25 says, she is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. I wanna get to the point when I am pressed that I can smile through the pain because I know I'm not being destroyed.
but I'm being developed, defined. And the last thing that happens is in the pressing, it can lead to our purpose. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. You see, back in biblical times, when they would put new wine, they would not put new wine in old wineskins. Because they had already been stretched, they had already been used, and they would break and they would tear if you put new wine in old wineskins. It would be pointless. And today, he's saying, if you're in the pruning, if you're in the pressing, he's making you into who he's called you to be. He's defining who you are. He's refining you. He's molding you. He's shaping you. He has a new wineskin for you today. The old has been stretched and is worthless. Now it's time to move into a new anointing that he has for you as a man or a woman of God, as a mom or a dad or as a daughter or as a son, as a friend or in ministry or in your job. He's saying the old wine skins are not going to cut it. It's time for a new wine skin. And hold on and hold tight to him and his promise today. that is you, whether you're in the pruning or the pressing, he's with you. It says, draw close to God and he will draw near to you. So today as you come before him, if you are feeling the pain of the pruning, if you're feeling pressed on every side, he has more. He's growing you. If you're thirsty, he gives living water. If you're lonely, he will never leave you or forsake you. If you are in deep waters or walking in the fire, he is with you. If you're brokenhearted, he's close to the brokenhearted. If you're feeling unloved, he will love you with an everlasting love. If you're in depression, he gives unexplainable joy. If you're in anxiety, he gives a peace that passes understanding. If you are weak, his strength is perfect in our weakness. If you are grieving, he brings joy in the morning. If you're feeling unqualified, he says qualified. If you're feeling unwanted, he says chosen. If you're feeling not good enough, you are more than enough because he is enough. If you're feeling guilt, he says forgiveness. You see scars, he sees a story. You feel unseen. He says, Elroy, the God who sees you, fall into comparison. He says, run in your lane. If you feel ugly, he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. If he says, you're too old, he says, old men will dream dreams. If you're too young, young women, young men will see visions. If you have fear, he says, have no fear, for I am with you. People, or you, say shame on you. He says, shame off Oh, yeah. 
in the pruning, in the pressing. Reach out to him, draw close to God, and he will come near to you today. Have a happy Mother's Day.